Hello and welcome in to another episode of Podcast 63, Season 3, Episode 9. Buck and Lou here again, coming off of uh, three wins this week. Um, we played the NAI t- NAIA team this week, and then we also started off conference season against Illinois State. We had two big wins, so we are going to talk about that here real at the beginning. Um, and then we'll get into a little bit later uh, some more details about the team, get into the stats, get into um, also we have a new transfer that committed to us. Uh, so we'll be sure to talk about that. But we want to talk about the game because the game just ended minutes ago, and I know Lou is ready to go. And Lou, why don't you give the listeners just like a little juicy piece of, of something you're really excited to talk about today? Oh, come on. That's not fair. There's too many things to talk about. Uh, but I'd say off the top of my list, I'm going to give two. I'm going to cheat. Uh, mm. Figured out what Tom Welch is for this program. I think I, I think I, I, I'm no chef, but I think I have a recipe for success with Tom Welch. Um, and then Ahir Ubach, man, loving, uh, I think, especially in the second game uh, that we just finished watching, love the atmosphere that he's bringing, but really just really strong uh, conference play start, I think, for him. Um, yeah, actually, I'm going to say this because I'm looking at the box score as we speak. Ahir Ubach, perfect from field goal in both games, a total of nine for nine from field goal. So Ahir Ubach, juicy, man, juicy uh, topic of the games. Love it. Well, we will get into it all. So, thanks for listening, everyone. And don't forget, go Blurs. And we are back. All right. So after our first initial excitement period, we do have a correction. <laughs> I hear was seven for seven over the past two days, uh, nine points yesterday. So that's where Lou got the. It's just excitement game. rolling off the tongue. It's just excitement. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm excited, too. Uh, let's start there, honestly. So, I mean, first things first, we won both games. Uh, first game, 90 to 60. Uh, second game um, was, what, 55 80, to 80, 86 to 86. 55. So we like the 30 range, it looks like. Um, yeah, it's a, that's a pretty number, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, so then, yeah, yeah besides that, um, the first thing, let's just talk about Ahir Uwa, because I feel like he's the dude that, like, changed the most since in these two games from, from the non-con. We saw a little bit of it, we, you know, here and there. He made, I think he's made a couple threes before yesterday and you know we've seen it in bursts but then he disappeared and he wouldn't score i think he had you know no points in the richmond game or something like that where there were just a couple of games where he didn't really impact but uh in these two games like we said uh perfect from the field uh in the first game uh he had uh three rebounds and two assists and i think he had the same thing in the second game he had uh yeah three rebounds two assists and eight points so just super consistent from him. Um, Lou, why don't you take it away and tell, tell everyone what makes you so excited about uh, here? I think the fact that you said it, he was kind of, you couldn't really figure out where he was on the court. And then all of a sudden he was like, I'm a here. Um, and oh, he just, no. yeah, we just had, we ha- I heard that and we had to talk about it, but no, we're going to get off the puns and we're just going to get into reality. And reality is I think he's finding his role and I, I, I'm going to be honest, I'm not, I wasn't really that big of a fan. I'd love to hear what the listeners thought of the CBS broadcast that we just had. 
Um, because, but they did mention something was the depth we have out, on this team and who will find their role. And I do think it's fair. Like, think about it. Yesterday's um, game, the first game against Illinois State, Tate Hall wasn't really finding his shot, finding his rhythm. But then you have a simple here is putting up nine points and finding his rhythm himself. So I think I hear finding his spot um, in both games was really, really exciting because you see a guy who really wasn't lighting it up from kind of anywhere or wasn't really doing much. And let's talk about it. Here had perfect one for one from three in both games. Um, mm-hmm. Also, he was one for one from free throw, which we definitely will get into about our free throw percentages in both games. So I think it's really exciting. And here is, I think, one of the best examples of not a top tier star. And what I mean, he, he easily can be a top tier star. We're not we're not bringing him down or anything. But when you think of our stars, it's Cam, it's Lucas, it's Tate, um, Marquise Kennedy coming off the sixth man of the year. So having now a here find a role, Braden, of course, is, is finding his role. Um, Keith, so everyone's finding their role. So seeing guys really fit in that role really, really well. And I think the best example is from this game too, is one of the best things I've seen is the cut to the basket where here um, just gets the nice pass underneath. And because the double team falls all over to Lucas and he just gets the wide open dunk or layup. And then the first game, what a transition out and just dunked it in. So very aggressive to the rim. I love the eyes to the rim kind of mentality for a here. Um, would just like to be a little bit more aggressive on rebounds, but I think he definitely is a, a shining star coming up at least last two games. But there's a lot more to talk about. So, Buck, what do you got for us? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that made me most excited, especially yesterday, was just how um, incredible Lucas was playing on both sides of the court, both offensively and defensively. Um, I mean, he did. He only played 19 minutes, which is something we'll, we'll end up talking about. But um, he finished with 18 points, six rebounds, four assists, and two steals. And you know, steals aren't the perfect indicator of like defense, but uh, you know, for him to get those steals is big. And he just looked great. Like he just he had like a certain swagger about him. Um, I think he had an and one kind of early on, and he was all up in in Illinois State's face and like celebrating and you know I, I just think like he looks like a different player too um you know I think we have to always take games against Illinois State with like a grain of salt just because they're not the oh, best teams yeah <laughs> yeah I mean they're better than uh you know St. Francis of Joliet or whatever but yeah no um, I, I think that that take is just 2017 uh, Illinois State was usually a, a tournament team and they should have been in the tournament so I think they're either just going down on their desk, but it's a good way to start conference play, no matter what team we're playing against. Yeah, and Lucas just like, uh, yeah, it just, he just looked like a different player. He looked like an all-valley player, like first team yep. or like, you know, borderline first team, second team player, just taking, you know, charge of the offensive defense. I saw him coaching up guys during timeouts. Um, and he only played, he didn't even play 20 minutes. Like, he, that's going to be great for the team in the long run especially on the back-to-back days. Like, if this game would have been closer, you know, I'm sure Porter would have had no problem playing him 35 minutes or so. Um, so I, I, that was one thing that I really was excited about, love to see. I think that's huge for the team. Um, and, to you know, today in the second game, not too shabby. Uh, six points, five assists, three rebounds. I thought he looked really great passing the ball. Um, didn't look for his shot all that much, uh, but I don't think he really needed to. I think other guys kind of... Picked up the slack, uh, Cameron, uh, in, in, you know, being more specific. But 
Uh, I was really excited about Lucas, and um, you know, if, if he plays like this the rest of the way, he's going to be an all-valley type player for sure. Um, let's just keep going down the list. Uh, Lou, what, what's, some, what's the next thing you were excited about? Um, well, excited about is kind of going to be this next point we definitely got to talk about, especially from a starter standpoint. It has to bring in kind of the, the bad game, but in reality, in my opinion, it didn't really show because the team really helped him. But Tate Hall in the first game of ISU just really didn't have it going his way. And I, I think it wasn't that I, I'm afraid for him to shoot. I, again, is, out of all the people to shoot the three, I'm more comfortable with Tate. Um, definitely Cooper, but when Cooper's not coming off an injury year. So Tate is my number one guy I trust shooting. But he had 0 for 5 from 3. So and naturally you're like, oh, my God, Tate, he, he's going to bring this team down. No, the team came back and said, hey, we can pick you up. And that kind of just really resonates the whole depth. And I think that might be our, our phrase the whole year, depending on how the rest of the season turns out. Instead of using the word culture all the time, we're probably going to use the word depth because guys like Tom Welch really coming into fruition was 2 for 3 from three and had 10 points. So really, really great to see different guys stepping up and kind of filling that hole that Tate had in the first game. And then the best part is, yeah, you, you have a hole the first game. Second game, Tate Hall comes out five for nine from field goal. Beautiful, uh, easily one of the best I've seen so far going to the rim, pushing up, getting fouled with five for six from free throw. Great to see in the second game and put up 16 points. So having these back-to-back games, he didn't go into a slump of, oh, I had a bad first game. The second game, I'm nervous. Now he went right back at it, adjusted his playmaking, in my opinion. And he only took three shots from three. He was only one for three, but he went to the rim a lot more because then he got fouled, and then he made five for six free throws. So putting up 16 points, having four assists in the second game really resonated with me, just seeing that transition from a down game. And granted, in his, in his down game, he had three assists. Um, so that, that's great to see still moving the ball. Um, but really excited to see that even though he had a down game in game one, guys filled in his role from Tom Wells, Marquis Kennedy, um, and we'll get into the more and more players that played in the first game. But then the second game, having him just get back into his rhythm was really great to see. So a little bit low, but definitely a high at the end of it out of the two games. So what else you got? Yeah, I mean, we got to talk about Cam for sure. Um, first game, uh, only played 20 minutes. He actually played the most of anybody. 15 points, five rebounds, three assists, two blocks. Um, pretty much what we are accustomed to seeing from Cam. It was just really nice to see that in such a uh, you know a less amount of minutes, a fewer fewer amount of minutes. Um, and then in game two, I mean, he was like excellent. Uh, 22 points, nine rebounds, seven assists, one steal, one block. I mean, those are player of the year type numbers for sure. Um, he just looked great. He, he had you know, like a certain swagger about him today and the second game. Um, they really were, it was, it was obvious that it was a, uh, an effort to get him the ball and say, okay, Cam, you go to work. Um, I think that that was something they identified in between the games and, um, and it was, it was really obvious and it paid off for them, uh, in a big way. Um, Cam just definitely, uh, had his best game in my opinion to this point. Um, but the unfortunate thing is he kind of came down. It looked like, uh, in the, like midway through the second half, um, looked like it might be an ankle injury, but he didn't land on anyone. And then he kind of was grabbing at his calf. Um, and then when he went to the sidelines, uh, they gave him lots of water and he had a, a massage, uh, sort of tool, um, that and he, it, it did. I think it was a cramp. I think he ended up just cramping up and that's what he said after the game uh, when they were interviewing him that he just got a bad cramp. So 
Um, you know, probably rest him for a day or two, make sure you get those fluids going. And uh, hopefully he should be should be good to go for what they play Bradley, I think, this upcoming weekend. Next yep. weekend. Um, but just excellent. He just I mean, I don't know what more you could have wanted from him um, in a game. So, yeah. So the only thing I, I'm going to say is on Cam is we're going to have probably a stat correction and we should give him a stat correction. Um, when he went up for that rebound and came down hurt, he should have received that rebound, which would have gotten the double double. I don't know what's going on. People just don't want to give my boy a double double. Wait, is that true? Is that I missed that? That was the and so if you if you look back at the the screen, he went up for the ball, and uh, we're we're not sure. I'm no official stat correction. I just think he should have received that. Um, but it looks like Brayden Norris received the rebound, defensive rebound, um, instead of Cam, and then Cam went down to the floor for the media timeout. So all I'm saying is there's conspiracy <laughs> not keep getting Cam Crowley his double doubles. That's all I'm saying. Um, love the 22 points. I just love it. I think he deserves double double awards as well. That's really funny. I actually did not know that. I, uh, I think that it is a conspiracy theory. I think the, the Missouri Valley Conference stat gods don't want to see it. They just, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> but That's besides, awesome. besides the, uh, anyone from the starters, let's, let's clear the starters out. I think Braden probably had, um, yeah, I agree with you. I didn't speak on Lucas, but Lucas definitely came out of his shell. Um, I think is the great way to explain um, these two games, in my opinion, really show that strong senior leadership. Um, Braden, I think, really filled in a great uh, role. Uh, for me, just not, again, is, I think he can go off any day. Um, he was just two for three from three and was smart with it. Uh, four assists in the first game. And then he had a decent second game. Again, I think the second game was kind of just let's feed Cam, which I love that. I think that's what it was. You really saw that difference where hey, we're feeding Cam, and that opened up. Then when they double-teamed Cam or for some reason left Cam wide open underneath, you just saw him score. But really, anyone else from the starters that you want to talk about, Buck? Um, I know. I, mean, I think just Braden, he looked good. I mean, he nothing fancy, nothing special. I think he'll be more um, – it'll be more obvious that he is a key member to this team in, like, close games when he's handling the ball late and he's not turning it over or he's getting fouled and shooting free throws. Because he's a very, very good free throw shooter. Of course, like, you know, knock on wood. Now, I probably ruined it. But he's a very good free throw shooter. He's the guy that I, I'd like to see him or Keith Clemens, like, towards the end of the game, get to the free throw line um, in close ones. So, he looked okay. I thought, I think he's probably going to have to deal with, you know, that the Missouri Valley teams have a lot of height in their, their guards. They're 6'3", six, 6'4", six, kind of across the board. Um, Illinois State, I think, beside, I think they had one guy that was kind of his height, but a lot of the times he was going up against bigger guards, um, and I think he's just going to have to learn to deal with that and not be so deterred to, like, drive. He can drive and kick the ball, drive and find Cam, um, and we've seen him do it. So I think he's just – it's a little bit of an adjustment for him, and it's I think it's clear the people who are – in these two games did really well are guys that we have have – played against Valley teams before, you know, Cam and Lucas and Tate Hall in the second game. And even like to a degree, like Tom Welch and Marquise, like they were and, and here as well. Like those are guys who have played against Illinois state in the past played against Valley teams. So I think, I think there is an adjustment period for, uh, for newcomers in the Valley. Um, so yeah, that's kind of all I got to say about the, about the starters. Um, gotcha. Yeah. I think just for Braden's point, I think the great example that I found was, he played in the St. Francis game. And for me, it was just getting him comfortable out on the court. Um, and I think I agree. The height's going to kind of put him back. But he did put up 31 minutes. 
in this second Illinois State game. So I like having him out there on the court when we can get him that experience. So I think that it's really great to see, again, giving him the opportunities is great. But I think the main thing we want to talk about is what a team, pretty much a second team we pretty much have developed in these last two games. Don't you think, Buck? Yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun. I, I root every time now for the bench guys to come in because I want to see – I want to see Jacob Hudson get 12 minutes and like Tom Welch get 10 to 12 minutes and, you know, Baylor have get in there and let him work out the kinks too. Uh, and that was fun to watch in the first game, not as much the second game, but we saw it a little bit at the end and, and Hudson got in there, got a couple buckets and Tom got some extra playing time and um, yeah, Paxson as well. But one of the things I think, well, would you do you want to talk about Tom first, or do you want to talk about more of like who's getting the minutes on the bench? I'll let you pick. Let's let's talk about who's getting on the minutes, and then when we get to Tom, because it is an interesting uh, minutes kind of. Again, it's so hard, but it is interesting to talk about who's getting what minutes. I agree. Yeah, I think it's way more obvious in the second game that the rotation was eight guys. You know, all your starters played. Here played twenty four. Everyone else played twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty one. And then three other guys. There was only three other guys that played over six minutes. Um, both Keith and Marquise played 18, and Tom played 12. And then you got Cooper, who's got six. And then uh, Paxson, Baylor, and, and Jacob Hudson all had two or three uh, towards the end of the game. So it's, it, I think it's kind of interesting that he, that Porter decided that he wanted to run uh, these guys out there for the second game. Um, it wasn't ever... It never got under 10 points, I don't think. You know, it was somewhere between 12, 15, and then it, it stretched later in the game. But I think it could have been a time where you saw Baylor, like, have come in for five minutes or, you know, Cooper get more than the, like, three or four minutes he got in the second half. So I think it's it was on purpose. I think that he wanted to see these guys play a full game, um, especially before Bradley, which is going to be two full games. Um, so I, I think the rotation is pretty pretty clear, and it's just going to depend on whether Marquise is healthy now, you know, for, for next weekend. And if he's not, then that's the nice part about having depth is, you know, who's the next guy up? Oh, it's Cooper Kafis, who was, like, all bench and on the all-freshman team his freshman year. Or, oh, it's, you know, Pax and Wojcik, who, you know, he, he played a bunch of minutes last year. He played he averaged about eight or ten minutes last year. So, you know, it's not like he's a freshman. Um, so it just, it is interesting. I think it's worthwhile talking about because I think that, uh, Porter did it on purpose. Um, but Lou, what's, what's your take on all that? Yeah, no, that's a great point because first game we saw everyone playing like everyone, um, maybe there wasn't, and I, I don't have it in front of me, but the smallest lead we got to in the second half was 14 points. And then it never looked back from there. Then after when it went from 14 and then jumped to 17, then it jumped to 19, 22, and then it was really just hitting that between 20s. And then we got up to the 30s with under six minutes. So compared to the first game, it felt like we had a whole three other teams out there that were playing for Loyola. We had guys jump in. We had what Jacob Hudson, I think, was in the double digits for minutes. Yeah, he had 12 minutes. Cooper had 12. Paxson Wojcik, last first game, he had five points. I think he had one of the uh, really – he had – probably a really pretty three if i remember correctly i think it was mm -hmm. one for one and it was just pretty because i'm pretty sure it was by off the assist of demisi anderson who happened to get on the court which was great to see so really an interesting uh game i'm gonna have to look back at the point spread and pretty much see 
was it just that big? Did we always have a 20-point lead? Which, when I feel about it, we went on that tw- what's it, 21 to one run in the second half. And yeah, I think that just really changes the momentum of a game. Um, I do think Illinois step kind of kept chipping at it, chipping at it in the second game. But it's really interesting that Porter kind of kept with the lineup. Um, and again, maybe he just didn't want to like give any any hope that they were going to come back. Look at us against Richmond. We came back from a 20 point. Uh, deficit and put up so many points and in for Illinois State they had Derek Boyd or um, who in the first game put up what 17 or 18 so bench guys putting up points for them and so in the second game Porter might have been kind of hey you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna be not as quick to just bring on everyone and then of course with the injury came on with Cam and made it kind of clear okay let's get we don't need all the starters out there right now so minutes is going to be an interesting thing I think it's going to be really prevalent against a team like Drake um, Southern Illinois, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how we play against the top teams right now in the Valley, um, or even like a team like Missouri State, who I, we don't know what we could really say. They've only played, what, three games? But they got Cage Prim, who easily could be a really, really hard fit for Cam because he's such a strong guy. So minutes, I think, is going to be something we're going to keep tracking really strong. So I really love talking about it. Um, but speaking of minutes, you just love seeing guys get it. And I think this is where I can segue to just Tom Welch's minutes, if you don't mind me going into that. No, I was going to say it's time to talk about Tom Welch. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, boys and girls, Lou the Wolf, I think I have understood what Tom Welch's role here uh, for Loyola Ramblers. And then this is just my hypothetical. This is my fit. Tom Welch will never be a power forward in my eyes. He's a stretch four at the best when we play small, which makes sense. But he needs to fit that small forward. Maybe no, I'm not going to say shooting guard. That's a joke. But small forward and the stretch forward that he fits that perfect. I know it's weird to say, but it reminds me of Dante. Dante was never a power forward. He was never, but he was the stretch forward and the center on a small ball team because he was quick. He was fast. I'm not saying Tom Waltz can keep up with the speed of what Dante had, but he definitely is athletic. He's these two games really showed me when you look back at it, it's just tough to say, oh, he's the four. He's the guy who's going to do the post moves. He's really got no post moves and, and he can develop them again, playing up against Cam and playing up against Jacob guys who are much bigger than him would be great. I think for practice, but I love seeing him out in the perimeter. I love seeing him on offense defense. I think it's almost like Cooper. You got to get a little bit more stronger, a little bit more committed to the stance, getting a little tougher. And again, is that just comes with time? I don't think he played enough last year to really develop a defensive stint. But like you said, he's one of the three guys that are being called on to come off the bench. So Tom Waltz, I love seeing him as the small forward um, off the bench. And when we go small, we need to play up against a small. We he can't he can't be going. Look at ISU with their big guy. We we can't have a mismatch if we're playing man to man and he just gets oh shoot he's got the six foot ten guy. So we got to know where his strengths are. But I really loved his effort in the last two games. And, um, of course, again, I'm not saying he was the, the best out of everyone. He was just someone that I sat and watched both games. I was like, you know what? I think I figured out what Tom Waltz has got. So I'll be excited to see what he's got the rest of the season and the rest of his career at Loyola. But Tom Waltz is very excited um, this last week watching him play. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think especially uh, the way that Porter likes to play, which is like having one big and then four guys who can shoot around him. Like Tom fits that perfectly. Um, And it's something that we'll eventually get to, but like even just looking ahead to next season, whatever roster we have, which is still super up in the air, 
But as it kind of comes into more into focus and seeing like transfers and stuff, I think it's clear that Tom is going to be one of those guys that stretches the floor for them and can shoot it and, and, and uh, get up and down the court quickly because he's athletic and fast. Um, but I don't think that Porter sees him as a center of the future. It's more he, he's fitting that role right now because Frank is hurt. And Jacob Hudson has played in, like, what, two and a half games or something like that, like, you know, against an NAIA team. And then two games against uh, Illinois State where he's played 15 total minutes or so. So for right now, that's what Tom's role is. But I think you're right. He's not a center. And he he is a stretch four. Or if there's someone else who is um, a little stronger than him or maybe a little bigger body or, or longer arms or something on the court with him, then he is that small forward. And I think that um, it, he's, it, it, he's a fun player. I, I'm really glad that, uh, that he's getting the time uh, on this team and especially very important minutes too. And he's really making the most of it. And it's, it's fun to, to think about what kind of player he's going to be, even at the end of this season, like he'll yeah. grow from, from now no, on. Exactly. I, and I think I want to put something out there just for, cause good vibes. Cause we've been talking about, it. I really want to see what a lineup of Tom Welch, and Frank looks like. I really, really would be intrigued because I think Frank's got that, If depending on how he's practiced, we haven't seen him. I think he's developed a better defensive stance and grabbing the rebounds and count, like really being the, the a good foundation down low for defense. And then Tom can easily then stretch you out and be that mismatch. So I, I think I'm going to put that out, put some good vibes to get Frank back on the court. Granted, we're doing pretty good with the lineup we got and a lot of guys, but I think even more the merrier. I'm going to take a little Christmas, a little late Christmas gift and just hope that Frank gets out in the court because I would love to see that little massive matchup. But Tom Welch, great to see the development so far. Yeah, I know the team and Porter would love to see Frank get out there as well. I know that they were pretty excited about him for this year and just kind of his development and, and his role was so clear going into the season. Um, so hopefully when he comes back, he's healthy and he's feeling good and whatever he can contribute at that time, you know, it just adds to the depth of this team, which is like such a strong, it is, it's one of the strongest parts of this team is that we have our five starters and then there's at least three guys who can start on any other Valley team really, maybe except for like Drake or Bradley, um, you know, Tom Welch, Keith Clemens, and, and Marquise Kennedy. They're, they all can start on a bunch of teams. I'm sure Cooper could even start on a few teams. And Demise Anderson. And, you know, it's just like, it's really exciting, the, the depth that they have. And it it was, they kind of previewed it in this two-game series. But I think it will really come in handy against the next two opponents, Bradley and Drake, when... The first game, you know, maybe the starters all play 30 minutes. And the second game, we really need that boost from the bench. And you'll see someone like Keith Clemens or, you know, maybe even Cooper come out and play 20 minutes. You know, it can. it's kind of just the, the, the depth of the bench is uh, is really impressive. No, that's a great that's a great point, especially with these back to backs. That's where it's going to it's going to be. This is probably one of the most important seasons to have depth because mm-hmm. playing that back to back. Porter's going to have to decide, like you said. Do I play all my starters the whole game or at least majority of the game the first game? Or do I have a bench where I can say, okay, hey, I'm going to divvy up when I can play the starters between games and then fill it in with the bench guys. So in my opinion, if you're sitting on the bench, don't think you're not playing. Um, If you are consistent and if you're helping the team, you're probably going to see it because there's no way we're going to be able to move throughout the season. And 
nothing on the teams, nothing on the schedule, just the way things are going on with the global pandemic, that we're just going to need everyone to step up from Sunday to a Monday, um, from Saturday to Sunday, whatever the next day is. It's back-to-back games. So I, I think I'm, I'm happy we don't play until Sunday. We get a decent long um, rest. I don't know if exactly that's because of the New Year's holiday, um, but it's exciting to see um, and exciting to get the guys a little breather. But more importantly, really excited to have that depth going into the rest of the season. Um, and hopefully more with Frank coming back and other guys getting healthier. Like Cooper, I don't think Cooper is really 100%. Um, I didn't really like that shot at all. It was his only shot of the night tonight. Um, but I, I think that's easily just him trying to get back. You know, the kid's coming off an injury year. Um, and he was it's so phenomenal his freshman year. So I'm not too worried. I just want him to ease in and get back into it as healthy as possible. For sure. Yeah, I think um, the other guy we need to talk about is Jacob Hudson. And I know we were joking around. And what, what did you say about Jacob Hudson? What did I say about Jacob well, Hudson? Before the, before the podcast, you were, you were talking about how excited you were to talk about him. So Jacob Hudson, I could talk a whole podcast just on Jacob Hudson's three games. And I can say three games because he played three games. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacob Hudson is, I think, going to be one of the biggest wild cards. Because he's almost as rough and pretty much a, a he's going to be a diamond in the rough, I think. And I don't know who coached Cam up. I really don't. But whoever coached Cam up or if Cam can coach Jake Hudson, I think that's what we need. And I could see that. And at first you're like, oh, my God, Jacob, you look a little rusty. You do. And he gets mad at himself. That's what I love. He knows he's better than this at some of these moments. But the thing is, I'm sitting there. I'm just smiling because I'm like, Jake Hudson's on the court. Jacob mm-hmm. Hudson is playing Loyola Rambler basketball. That's some of the most exciting things to say. A kid who is seven feet tall, a de- perfect fit, I think, for the program. There were him and Baylor, I think, at one point. I don't know if it was the St. Francis game or if it was the first game. I think it was the St. Francis game where they had a little pick and roller. And, just, and Baylor just put it up and put it down low for Jacob to catch it. So there's so much to talk about with Jacob. Um, I think that he's one of probably the most highest ceiling, I think. And out of anyone on the roster right now, in my opinion, just because there's so much untapped potential. Um, so I think he's definitely not Cameron Crowley's freshman year. I think Cameron Crowley's freshman year got to play on such a big stage where he developed this. Um, again, he's, and then you just look at what he's done since then. He cut the weight. He got stronger. In my opinion, this year, he's back to his um, sophomore year. Junior year, I think, personally, if I'm going to talk about it, he took a little dip scoring. I, I don't think he was as committed to the post moves. This year, he's one of the most, if I think, elegant post-move players we got in the country. He knows when to spin. He knows when to back you down. So Jacob Hudson just, I would say, get a notebook, kid, and write down those notes because you can learn so much from Cameron Crutwig. And I don't think if you're just a Valley fan, if you're an NCAA basketball fan, you should know the name Cameron Crutwig because watching him play is great. And I'm just excited for Jacob because I think he could get to that potential. A little different because he is seven feet. He's got those few inches. But it is exciting, I think. I I, I really hope whatever whoever's in the what is it the training room there at Loyola in um in Hallis or not Hallis she's in Norville. It, his summer I hope next summer is just going to be about training and getting him in the best shape because I think he can easily be a great guy. But really excited to see him. And then Buck, if you don't mind, I'd love to hear what did you think of Demisi Anderson because I have a few points. 
Yeah, I think that's I think he's fun uh, to talk about as well. And and it was really great to see him play. Actually, I kind of want to let's close the book on the Illinois State games, because then I think we can kind of transition. And, and most of the stuff we want to talk about anyway, from Demizi and Jacob Hudson are from the St. Francis game. Okay. So I just want a couple of last points from Illinois State um, and then and then we can transition. But um, I think. Something to take from the, these games is Illinois State can score the basketball. Like, that is not a question. Like, they, they put up a bunch of points on, you know, uh, the one, I think it's a Division two team, um, 177 points or something ridiculous. They scored 100 in another game earlier this season. So, they can score. And for us to hold them to an average of 57 points over two games, that that's really impressive. Um, their defense is... I, horrible. I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it. So we did exactly what we should do in scoring 90 points and you know 86 points. It's still impressive. Um, you know, there's still conference games. There's still a little bit extra uh, on the court for sure. But we did what we were supposed to on offense. And I think the thing that's more impro- impressive to me is that we held them to 57 points. And it was a it was a complete team effort. Um, the switching is is really good. Uh, and, and Cam, I think has become smarter on defense too. I actually saw him contest a three pointer on, it was, uh, they set a screen and, and I think Braden Norris went under and Cam was able to get out there and get a hand in the face of the three point shooter and he missed it. Um, so that, that's something I've never seen him do. So just little things like that. Um, this team is growing on defense and getting better. And, and that's the part that I think impressed me the most. Um, but what, what are your last thoughts on, on the Illinois state games? I think this really was uh, just a great way to open up conference play. I did not, I'll be honest, I did not expect this confident of a, of a two games. And I, I have no problem saying that openly because I just really didn't. Um, I expected wins. I expected um, a little bit more from Illinois State defensively. Definitely their offense. I knew they had two strong shooters. Um, and again, is in DJ Horn and Derek Boyd, both 18 and 17 in the first game. Um, and I was intrigued to see, is it... Um, Marovich, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, their big guy. Um, really interesting to see. The second game, and I just don't think he really was comfortable playing against Cam. He did know how to set picks, so I think this is a team that it developed right. Again, I think they said they have not one senior on the team. So I think this is a young team that just doesn't have the experience. Um, but I think this is just a great for our guys, just opening up Valley Play, saying, hey, we are – pretty much the top of the top in the Valley and let's get at it. And I think the next game, this is pretty much a great way to go into the next game against Bradley. And then we go into Drake. So we got Bradley and Drake back to back series. And I think this was just a great way to start it for us because this is something we needed and really excited for the rest. Um, So Illinois state beat them by 30 and 31. They're a team that put up 177 and they just couldn't tonight. And I'm more excited about that than anything. Uh, so I'm very happy for the Ramblers with those two games so far. Yeah, so far so good. Um, we're going to take a little break, and then we'll be back. We'll talk about St. Francis game. We're going to talk about our new commit and uh, just any other little rumblings we find um, to talk about. So thanks for listening, and don't forget, go Blurs. All right. Holy shit, he went nine for nine? I didn't realize he scored four, four yesterday. Oh, my God, I said nine for nine? He was seven for seven. Four plus three is seven. Yeah, we can just crack that when we start talking about him. Um, 
Oh, yeah, nine right. points. I know how I read nine points. And we are back. So um, let's talk a little bit about the St. Francis game. Um, I know it's not it's not a Division One game, so it's kind of hard to make any conclusions. Um, and it was a different roster. Uh, Cam was out just for rest, and then Cooper, Keith Clemens, and Marquise were all kind of benched just for nursing their small injuries that they had, just a just kind of a precaution. And it, it was a way to get other people into the game and just see some more guys on the court. And uh, Tom Welch started in Cam's place and looked great. He, had, he finished with 17 points. Um, some other highs in the team. Uh, Baylor Hepp came off the bench and scored 17 points. Our guy, Jacob Hudson, scored 15 off the bench. And then both Uguak and Tate Hall had 11 and 10, respectively. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is just more a tune-up. I think it was a way to get some more guys, some more time. Um, you know, we didn't play a bunch of non-conference games and some of those guys that were on the bench uh, who, who usually might play a little bit more and have more time to get kind of geared up for the conference season didn't have that opportunity. So it was a good way to get those guys some more minutes and also see some new faces to, to finally see Jacob Hudson get on the floor. Demi Z. Anderson uh, played seven minutes to see him get on the floor. Um, it was just kind of all around like fun, a fun game. Um, it was a little, it was kind of close for a little while, but uh, I think in the <laughs> second second half we really kind of just stepped on the gas. So, uh, yeah, Lou, what were your takeaways from the St. Francis game? Yeah, first takeaway is St. Francis scored as much points as Illinois State did um, in their second game against us. Just there's just a quick one we got to start off there. NAIA team scored as many points as Illinois State. But, um, yeah, I think the real thing was, and I, we were texting, and, I, again, I wasn't taking it serious, but we have to talk about just the first kind of uh, half was kind of like, hey, take this kind of serious, guys. Um, and it's not like we were losing bad. We were down. We're, we can't deny that. We were down. Um, but it, we, we did, of course, put up and led by 13 and a half. But it wasn't really a smooth start. I think there was just some positioning battles, confusion there. Um, wasn't really as fluid. I think, again, I think the Frank St. Francis was like, Hey, Eric team wants to go hard in the paint and just be the best player they got and have a great game and good on him. Cause he was, and he was one of my favorite players on the court, which we can get to. But, um, like I said, it was a tune up game. It's NAIA. So I think the second half really, we held him only 25. So excited just for more for guys getting the court, just a laughable first little 10 minutes. I think for me just about positioning battles. And I think that's where I noticed Tom Welch's positioning battle as a center against taller people. Um, but really excited. I think uh, the summary of it for me is Jacob Hudson got his first um, career collegiate game, which is the most exciting thing. Again, he put up 20 minutes. Uh, Demise Anderson got in there and um, Baylor had got a lot of minutes. So really excited for guys like that. Baylor had put up th- 17. Um, and I think for me, cause I would love to just to hear you. I always talk about kind of, I talked a lot about Jacob last time, so I'd love to hear from you. But for me, um, Pax Omoja got minutes, which was really interesting because you haven't really seen him. He's kind of been someone we nearly forgot was on the team, in my opinion. But in the last few games, at least the first ISU game and this game, we saw minutes. uh, But Demise Anderson, I have to say, some of the most unselfishness I've seen so far from a guy who is able to play now, and he's looking to pass it. 
which I'm not saying that's his, oh, his MO uh, for the entire year, how he plays, which is really unselfish. He had two assists in the last game. And then, and I think what the first ISU game, he had how many different times to the rim. I thought he could have scored, but he's like, Oh, let me push it out to that lat next pass, that one more pass, skip pass. So that was really something I think interesting to watch was Measy Anderson. But uh, Buck, what do you, what do you think about Jacob Hudson's first ever college game? Yeah, it was super fun. I mean, I think he showed us, like, his full arsenal. Like, he hit his first two threes, and they were just pretty. Like, I mean, there's no other way. He's got a really nice shot, um, especially for a guy his size. It's not like he's just throwing up, throwing it up there. Like, he's he's obviously worked on it. It looks nice. It's, it, he's, he finishes over top. You know, he holds that he holds that shot. It looks real good. Um, and, you know, on top of that, he, he showed, like you mentioned before, the pick and roll with Baylor Hebb. Um, he got a couple boards. He got a couple assists too. Um, I can't really remember them, but I think one was a kick out for three. Uh, he had a block shot as well, which is fun. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think he also showed you, he is still a freshman. There's a couple of times where he's kind of hesitating to get there, to go up and get that rebound. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think he knows how big he is. Um, it it just looks like he's still kind of getting used to, his body, but I think that'll come with time and he'll, he'll get up there and, and he just needs to be a little bit more aggressive on the, on, uh, on rebounds. But I think for most of his high school career, he didn't need to do that. Like, cause he just was humongous. And, you know, a lot of times if he would be aggressive, he'd probably get called for a foul, which is much different than in division one college basketball. So, um, yeah, I think I, he pretty much exceeded all my expectations and, the thing about, yeah, he played in NAIA school. But the thing is, is, like, making shots is just still making shots. Like, making a three-pointer against an NAIA team is the same as making a three-pointer against Illinois State. Like, if you're open and you hit the shot, that's impressive. So, for him, I'm sure it didn't it didn't mean anything that he's playing NAIA. Um, like, he just went out there and um, and he played his game, and it was, it was obvious that he was excited and having fun and, and really enjoyed being out there. Kind of similar, uh, Demise Anderson. I mean, another guy who transferred in from uh, Indiana and didn't think he would play this year and got the waiver. Uh, and he was able to get out there a little bit and uh, show us his stuff. And like you said, just like unselfish. I think he's going to fit in with the, with the, in the program real, real well, real seamlessly. Um, he made a three, he made another bucket, had a couple assists, had a black shot too. Um, I'm interested to see his development, like which way he goes. Like, I don't know if he's going to be more of like a ball handler, like kind of like I hear has done a little bit where, you know, sometimes you see him bringing up the ball um, or if he's going to be more like Tom Welch where, you know, he doesn't really bring up the ball that much, but he can hit shots and, and make nice passes and that kind of thing. So, um, or maybe he'll be, just in his own individual player and, and be unique in whatever skill set he's going to bring. So um, just, just fun to see those guys play fun to see Baylor. Really? He, I think Porter pretty much put Baylor in and said, all right, you know, bring the ball up. Let's see what you got. Do whatever you want. Kind of thing. Yeah. And he, he showed off a little bit. I mean, he had 17 points and um, he could have had a 20 point game if he was hitting his free throws, but um he had four assists, three rebounds, two steals, so he looked good. I, I think that was kind of fun to let him just kind of go to work. So, um, yeah, fun game overall. 
um, starters, whatever, you know, the usual suspects didn't really look to score. I don't think all that often, um, I saw some guys passing up shots and, you know, Lucas and Braden weren't really looking to score all that much other than when they were given wide open looks. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Lou, do you have any, uh, any last thoughts on, on St. Francis game? No, I think like uh, the, no, nothing really important. It, it was a great game. And it was a great game to start the transition into the um, Illinois State game. I think the Illinois State games are just going to overshadow what we got. So just we're excited to see the rest conference play. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it was a good tune-up before the Illinois State. Um, so then the next thing we want to talk about, um, we have another commit from another Ivy League grad transfer um, from Dartmouth uh, College or University. I have no idea which it is. Uh, Christopher Knight, who is a 6'7", 6'8", kind of power forward, center uh, player. Um, he is, he's from Wisconsin, actually, which I think is why he kind of wanted to come uh, closer to the Midwest. Um, but he uh, played for Dartmouth. He was second team All-Ivy both last year and the year before. Um, he averaged last season 15 points, six and a half rebounds, and over a block per game. Um, he's actually uh, injured right now. Uh, he has an Achilles injury, which happened in the offseason um, before yeah, before the season started up. And that's when he, uh, even before the Ivy League decided they weren't going to play this year, he decided he was going to transfer. Um, with the Ivy League's rules, uh, I don't know if he would have been assured a uh, scholarship after this season. Um he would have been able to stay on the roster and, and receive a scholarship and, and for his injury, but um, he decided to transfer before the the news that Ivy League was not going to play this season. So from what I know, um, there wasn't a ton of like high major schools that we were competing with, but I think I'm trying to find, I forget, there was a tweet once upon a time that had some, uh, I think he might've tweeted it out. Of, yeah, like, he had his he, top six. Oh, yeah, here. Okay, I got it now. Uh, Western Kentucky, uh, College of Charleston, Loyola, Dartmouth, Richmond, and UC Santa Barbara. So, I mean, you know, there's some solid mid-major teams there in, like, Western Kentucky and Richmond. And we, you know, and also Dartmouth, he could have returned there. He was still considering it. So, um, yeah, kind of interesting. But, uh, Lou, why don't you take it and and give your take, and then I'll kind of talk a little bit about what I saw in some of the, in some of the videos I watched of him. Yeah, no, I think um, really interesting um, that we're dipping into the Ivies back to back on uh, transfers. We we're not new to the transfer portal. In my opinion, we, again, um, it was mentioned even the broadcast tonight, uh, two of our latest transfers or some of our two most famous transfers and Clayton Custer and Marcus Towns, both one player of the year. So we're not new to the transfer, but what we're interested in is that we're really, we picked the Ivy leagues, which is just an interesting conference. I'm not, Nothing against it. I think they produce good talent. Um, I had a lot of guys from Harvard recently just transfer to big schools, Seton Hall and stuff like that. So I'm excited more about the height of both, of both guys, especially now uh, Chris Knight. Just really interesting, 6'7". Um, I think it's an, an interesting build that we're working with. And I, I haven't really looked at the highlights, so that's why I'm intrigued to see what you've seen, how mm-hmm. athletic or anything. Um, but um, we'll talk about it after. There's just going to be an interesting scholarship situation. Again, is I think we're really not going to go into detail just because there's so much in the air. We don't know what's going on with COVID scholarships officially. We can't speak on it. So 
Um, I'm excited more than anything to have more depth because as we can see, it's going to come real in handy when we need it. Um, and I think I, adding a person like Chris Knight, a six, seven athletic kind of guy, um, maybe might fit perfectly into that kind of small ball stretch four. Um, again, depending on what is, uh, really how tough he is. Cause again, is Andre Jackson, I think is probably the best description of what we've had recently for small ball power forwards that can play big. Cause no matter who he was up against, he knew how to move. He knew how to take advantage of a mismatch of how he used his quickness to up against big guys. So I think this is a really interesting fit because we've done it before. So I'm excited. I'm happy to see again, another talent. Um, interesting take is that they'll be seniors next year. So will they be the senior leadership that we'll look up to um, for guys who've never played? That's just something that I keep in my back of the pocket. I think having Lucas and Cam this year in Tate and the here guys who've now played a year under the belt. And again, Lucas and Cam played four years is really interesting that team dynamic, but excited more than anything. Yeah, um, I think he's an interesting player uh, from what I saw. Um, doesn't really shoot the three ball at all, but um, from he's 6'7", six, 6'8", six, he's really big and strong. I'd be interested to see what his wingspan is because I'd venture to guess it's like over seven feet. Like he looks like he's he, he looks like he's a big that's just like two inches too short or something. Like it's kind of funny. And he plays that way too. He plays like a big. Um, he you know, from his stats, he had over a block per game last year. He knows how to block shots. Um, he's super strong. Like, you can use his body really well. Um, looks like he, he's smart on the court, pick and roll, stuff like that. Um, but also just a really good post game from what I saw. That's how he scored probably 75 to 80% of his shots is, like, post game. So, like, I was trying to see if they played with another big on the court with him or if he was, like, their center. And it, it, it seemed like they had another guy that was, like, about his height. Um, so it, I, I don't know if he always was being defended by the other team's center or the other team's biggest guy. But definitely great footwork, great hook shot. I think he's a lefty, which is kind of funny because Cam's a lefty. And, you know, uh, so another kind of lefty post guy. Um Great on defense, really athletic, um, can switch on to some smaller guys occasionally. Um, and uh, I, I think he's just going to be, I don't know, it's kind of an interesting, he's kind of like a hybrid between like a here and Cam, honestly. Like he, interesting. Not, That's what I was about to ask if he fits a here role. So it's interesting to hear a hybrid. I don't think he can handle the ball at all, from what I can tell. Like I don't think he's dribbling up the court at all, but. They, they, he scored a bunch of his points at the post, like at the low post, like just kind of um, just quick feet, little fakes, hook shots. He had a really nice lefty hook shot. Um, yeah, just kind of bodying his guy and, and, and going to work. Um, I, that's why I think he's probably got really long arms too because he was beating guys that I was like, how did he get that shot up? Um, so uh, he's definitely going to be a good addition. And I think especially on defense, the one video that I watched, I must have either missed his defensive highlights or it was only him scoring because it was like a 10 minute video and it was, I didn't see much of his defense. Um, I found that on another clip, um, but he, he moves his feet. He's, he's, uh, he's pretty quick with, on his feet. And um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, th- I don't think, he has a perfect comp, honestly, from from any of the players we've we've had in the past. Because he's he's not quite Andre Jackson, 
um, because I think he's longer on defense but has less ability to step out and shoot a three or even handle the ball at all. He's not quite Uguak because I don't think he can guard guards as well. Um, he's closer to Cam, but he doesn't have the height or the size. Um, so, I yeah, I think, I think he might be uh, sort of like a – uh, a backup big maybe um but also the ability to play with like jacob hudson because hudson can spread the floor and shoot the three whereas maybe they let um chris knight go in and 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 work in the post down low so lots of kind of options but definitely an interesting player uh, and i think he'll be a good addition to the team um but yeah so i it changes the outlook for, for the team next year. So, Lou, why don't we just talk about that a little bit just to finish it off. Um, we can talk about what the roster tentatively looks like for next year. Nothing set in stone, like you said. And we don't quite understand the additional year of eligibility rule. But um, from, from right now where we're sitting, who are the guys that are going to be we're going to be looking at next year? So I think the guys that we're just going to live in a world where everyone graduates and everyone moves up. We're not going to think about COVID right now. There's, we have to leave that as an asterisk on this roster sheet. But what I'm looking at is we have, according to what I'm looking at is would be Ryan and Chris are two new transfers to be a seniors. Cause again, they're both graduate transfers. So they're going to have one year of eligibility in a normal situation. Uh, Demizi, he's technically playing this year. But we're just going to say he's going to be a junior or senior. Frank, medical, don't know, but he'll maybe be a senior. We got those. That situation's a little tough. Moving over, though, everyone else is going to move up. You got Marquise Kennedy, you got Braden, you got Cooper, you got Paxson, Tom, and they got Baylor Heb. Jacob Hudson is technically on, not on scholarship. As we know, it was the whole situation with him receiving aid because he wasn't on scholarship and eligibility. So we might find him on scholarship. Uh, we do have two recruits now um, who are seniors. We got Tyler Johnson um, out of Chicago, who's putting up great stuff. I'm watching some film that I've seen some pickup games or even some tournament. I don't know what it is technically. And then we have uh, the younger brother of Ryan Swagger, Ben Swagger. Again, that's not a legit claim that they're brothers. We just they have the same last name. So um, right now, according to the scholarship chart, we would be at max if Jacob is on scholarship. Um, so that's a max of 13 scholarships. So, again, um, as we know, there's uh, sad to say because I love every single guy on the team, but there's always a, a high chance because there's about, what, 2.5 um, players leave a team in transfer portals. So we might see a little shake up the roster again with the COVID situation, scholarship eligibility. We don't know, but it'll be interesting to see, especially with these two guys coming in as graduate transfers, uh, maybe some JUCOs and maybe another senior. We don't know. So. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of answers uh, out there that a lot of questions still unanswered, um, and we'll try to get that to you guys as soon as possible if we can. Yeah, I think the um, the most obvious point with these two transfers is that Porter wants to make sure that the 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 years of our players are spread out um, because if we would have gotten two more freshmen this year, we wouldn't have any. We wouldn't have had anyone uh, graduating, unless I'm forgetting like one person. But um, we wouldn't have had anyone graduating next year, unless. Am, am I forgetting anyone? It could have been Frank or. See, that's the whole thing. It would be. Oh, Frank, would be yeah. Frank then. 
again, I understand what you're saying. What you're saying is kind of almost going to be like a Bruno situation. Last year, technically, Bruno was the only senior. That kind of doesn't help with scaling out and spreading out scholarships, like you said. It's it's really tough uh, to properly do that. And again, as every team goes through situations, and we've had transfers before, so it is interesting. Uh, the amount of guys who were, were supposed to be seniors that have transferred um, already on the team. So we got a lot to look forward to with recruiting. Uh, we don't know it's done. No matter how many times last year we said, oh, it's done. Someone else was added. So I think we, we got to leave the door open on recruiting. You never know what might just come, especially with the, the COVID scholarship situations coming forward. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we kind of have a, a little bit of an understanding of what the team's going to look like next year. Uh, it'll be nice to add those two seniors. Um, hopefully they're, they're able to contribute right away and uh, kind of give us that experience uh, for, for next season. So, um, yeah, I mean, overall, uh, two, well, three wins this week, I suppose. Two wins in conference, uh, both kind of blowout games against Illinois State. We added a, a, a mid-major level transfer, grad transfer, and Chris Knight. Uh, got to see some new guys play in uh, Jacob and Demizi, and got to see Cam you know, almost get a triple-double. So I'd say it was a, a pretty darn good week in uh, Loyola basketball, wouldn't you say, Loyola? Yep, I uh, absolutely agree. I'm excited for what we got forward. We got Bradley coming up this week. We got a few days extra off because of the holiday. I'm just excited for more conference play and more basketball from Loyola Ramblers. That's for sure. Um, all right, guys, and uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, and don't forget, go Blurs.